You are the Tijuana Strings? Si. Then I take it you're all from Tijuana, huh? Si. Am I right in assuming that you are their leader? Si. What's your name? Si. Si? Si. The Tijuana Strings, that seems awfully close to the Tijuana Brass. Didn't they ever object to it? Si. Well, what do they do? Si. You're listening to the podcast, so there I was. This is episode 32. That's awesome. I like even numbers, too. We've got an even number of guests. We have Dos Gringos. Oh, yes. Dos Gringos. Yeah. (laughs) I love their music. They lack judgment, which is the title of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) They were informed by his leadership that they lack judgment. Yes. I, on the other hand, admire their their lack of judgment. So I admire their lack of judgment. <laughs> As do I. It's beautiful stuff. If you haven't heard of Dos Gringos, it's fun music, but Fig has a warning for you. Yes, uh, public service announcement. Their lyrics sometimes can be graphic. That's a great word. <laughs> it's, it's in good taste. <laughs> it's in good taste, however, uh, uh, not probably suitable for a younger audience. Yeah, like like Playboy, the the, the graphic uh, language is tastefully done. <laughs> yeah, done with an intent and purpose. Yeah, this is not for young ears at all. If you're offended by foul language, we'll apologize up front and let you know that this one has foul language in it. As will next week's. Join us for another one in the near future, which has no foul language in it. Go figure. Yeah, and and that's going to be a fantastic show as well. Well, who are these guys? Tell us about the Dos Gringos, and then we'll move on to the show. All right. Well, the Dos Gringos uh, were uh, Air Force F-16 fighter pilots that also had a uh, a talent and a love for music and songwriting and turned that into, what, four albums total? Four recorded albums and kind of a cult following in the tactical aviation community. So, Yes. Uh, their, their music all has aviation theme, actually uh, tactical aviation theme, and they're written very, very well. And if you are a tactical fighter pilot kind of guy, you will totally get most of the songs. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It triggered memories. A lot of memories when I first heard them. So yes. Right. Yes. So sit back, make sure you're not sitting on the injection. Hand. This here is the truth. Hold set on it. Nope. About crossing the pond. Show 32 coming your way now. At night in the world's smallest cockpit on the tanker through the weather Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing. So there I was. That's how every great aviation story begins. Exactly. This is Fig. Welcome. We've got a couple special guests with us today, Repeat. I am stoked. You might have heard of them, those gringos. And we have them with us today, Trip and Snooze. Gentlemen, welcome. We are stoked to have you with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. Those of you that have heard previous episodes of the podcast, uh, starting about five or six weeks ago, we started using those gringos music to intro and outro the show and we're having a ball with it i howl when i listen to these songs we'll get to that shortly but i'd like to go um 
first of all, just get some background on you gents, how it is you got into flying, where it is you met up, and uh, how it is you wound up becoming Dos Gringos. I'm going to go left to right on my screen. I'm going to start with you, Trip. Where did you start flying? How'd you get into it? Sure. Then run over to Snooze. You bet. I'm from Philadelphia area, out in the suburbs. I didn't come from a military family or anything. No real flying in my family other than my uncle had a private pilot license. And uh, that's about the only time as a kid I can remember thinking, hey, flying's pretty cool. Didn't really think about it until college. And ROTC sent me a, a letter and I said, okay, I'll give that a shot. Maybe they'll help pay for school. And it turns out they do pay for school. And then they said, hey, you might nice. be able to fly planes for a living. I was like, that's not a thing that people do. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, so, <laughs> so I... Once I learned that that was a thing that normal people got to do, I uh, gave it a shot and went to pilot training and then was able to get the F-16, which is what I wanted. And uh, real lucky to do that. And then met Snooze. I don't think I ever crossed paths with you, Snooze, until we were at Cannon, although we did go to the same pilot training base. I think we were offset to where I didn't actually run into him until Cannon Air Force Base, New Mexico. Over to you, Snooze. All right. Like you, I had no no military background in my my family, no flying experience. Never flew a plane, but uh, let's see. My family moved to Blyville, Arkansas when I was 12, I think, which at that time uh, was a B-52 base, Acre Air Force Base. Yeah. And I went to my first air show, and I was, I was smitten. So saw the first air show. I said, that's it. That's what I want to do. Went to the Air Force Academy, and that's where I – First flew was the uh, you know the gliders, oh, right. their okay. soaring program. Then uh, got my slot to inject and got 16s out of there and <laughs> out of Luke. I'll never forget that night, man. Having to, I was married at the time, and you got to tell your wife you're going to close New Mexico is not a good night. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, <laughs> I got. I got hammered drunk because I was too afraid to do it. She eventually had to call up to the squadron. It's like, you know, uh, anybody see my husband? Like, yeah, he's here at the bar. He's drinking. Uh, (laughs) He's got some pretty bad news for you. (laughs) You trying to get his nerve up. Yeah. (laughs) They call the the road into Clovis, New Mexico, the highway of tears. Because all the the wives, as you're driving your first base... They're like, uh, where's the where's the town? I this know, is it. I, I've <laughs> been to Clovis for fuel. Yeah, what I, is I, that I, smell? Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's either cow shit or it's the paper mill, right? <laughs> those are the two options. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then uh, so I got there. I want to say in January of '01, and then trip. You showed up. It was what November, October, something like that. It, it was like yeah, October. Of one, yeah, right after yeah. yeah. So uh, I was, I was his sponsor. I wasn't a very good sponsor, but you know, you guys I, have uh, sponsors in the in the Marines. Is that a thing? Like new guys come in and I, you I assign think, them to? I think only overseas, like when guys are going to to Japan or something like that. We generally don't do it in the in the states. Yeah, we we say we do it. We barely do, but it's like, hey, uh, where do I where do I live? I wasn't married at the time. Like, what's canon? Where do I go? Uh, <laughs> for fun that kind of thing and i remember my first conversation with snooze i had shown up at the base hadn't heard from him uh much because he was doing noble eagle i think you know where he used to have to do oh, the that's right yeah yeah he's a noble eagle and i finally got in touch with him I'm like hey man i'm here like what do i do now 
and I was, and he said something to me. I'm like, man, what a dick. Like he didn't even show up. And like, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> physically there, man. Like, <laughs> I know he's sir. I didn't realize how important that operation noble legal was. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember, like, I mean, I don't know how the conversation gets started because, you know, it's like, you don't just walk up to some guy and say, Hey man, you play guitar. I mean, like, right. <laughs> that's not the way that happens. And no. if somebody says, Hey, I play guitar. You're like, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you aren't going to make me listen. Are you? <laughs> that's right. right. You want to listen to my songs? Like, Oh God. So I, I don't know, Trip. maybe your memory is better than mine. Cause I don't know I, how it, I think somebody had, well, before you, before Snoozy even got to Canon, uh, he had already started writing fighter pilot songs. So maybe we back up to okay, the yeah, tradition, yeah. at least in the U.S. Air Force for, for aviation music. Our exposure to that during F-16 training was, was a lot of Dick Jonas music from the Vietnam era. And then there's some stuff before that, uh, World War II songs that had been just kind of redone and updated. And I was introduced to that in the RTU or the the rag, if you guys yeah. call yeah. it. Was that it, right? Uh, Did you go through it, Luke? Is that where Luke. you? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that's where you find out where your first combat wing is going to be. Yeah. And that, when Snooze got hammered and had to tell his way. <laughs> um, but prior, you know, so as we're going through that, one of the things you obviously just not learning how to fly the airplane, but the traditions. And in at least Air Force fighter squadrons, every squadron's got a bar. You do roll calls on Fridays and there's some entertainment and shenanigans that are involved. Some of that is singing songs. And up to that point, all we had, all I had ever knew were some of the old ones that they taught us and we would sing these, these silly songs. Well, Snooze as a brand new lieutenant shows up before I had ever gone through and you got to tell them the story of, of how you unveiled your first song. This is as a student before I ever even met him. Yeah, as a, as a student at the at the RTU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. um, yeah, so I'm at Luke, and every Friday they'd make us learn a new song. We had to sing it in front of everybody. Oh dear God! So I want to say it was like uh, I know at the 63rd, the first one they made us learn was a Yankee Air Pirate, a Yankee Air Pirate, a Yankee Air Pirate. Am I on? It's like whatever. Okay. And uh, I in Vietnam. Yeah, and. The next week, I brought my guitar to play along with it to add a little spice. I don't know. And then on the, like the next, the third <laughs> week, or so, they're like, "All right, you got to learn this song." And uh, and of course, there's no music to it. Like, well, how does it go? And they were like, you know, the the mayor, or whatever. It might have been Duke Boy Win or something. I can't remember. You know, he's like, "Sing it for me," and I just like, this "Song sucks." <laughs> <laughs> And he just looked at me like, whoa, you think you could do any better? And I was like, I think I could. And he just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right. That, that song's not very good, you know? Like, yeah. And so that's, I want to say that the first song I wrote was The Wingman. Wingman, and it's nice to meet you too. We're just gonna stand here till you tell us what to do. We're the wingman, and we ain't got much to say. And if we did, you know that we would fuck it up anyway. We're the wingman, 
good song man <laughs> i oh, like the wingman that was uh that was that was one i think jeremiah uh, weed was two i i believe that's the okay two three four young and my daddy said to me well son I want to know what it is you want to be I said I'll never wear a tie but I like the color green I think I'm gonna want to fly the fucking F-16 oh well I heard my mama screaming cause I yelled it right out loud so daddy had to wash my mouth I knew that he was proud he gave me a shot that was something in between The lies, all and alcohol The touch of gasoline Fox one Fox one When you got nothing left Fox two Fox two It's that heater in your chest Fox three Fox three The only friend you'll ever need That cocksucker motherfucker Jeremiah Weed You drink it all for show And if you drive the hog Then you gotta drink it slow And if you drive the viper Then you gotta drink it fast Cause this ain't a time to loiter And we ain't got the gas 
if you drive the stink bug, then drink it on your own. And if you drive the mud hen, then you can't drink it alone. And if you're stuck in UAVs, then my advice to you is to drink the fucking bottle, man. There's nothing left to do. Box one. Box one. When you got nothing left, box two. Box two. It's that heater in your chest. Box three. Box three. The only friend you love indeed. That cocksucker motherfucker Jeremiah Weed. Greatest fighter pilot that ever I did see Came in one day and took his place at the pisser next to me I knew he was a killer, I could smell it when he peed That fucker drank his coffee with a big old shot of weed Now everyone is curious, they all wanna know Does it make you smarter, will it make your penis grow? It won't bring you women, and it won't bring you luck so why do we drink it? Cause it tastes like fuck! Box one! Box one! When you got nothing left, box two! Box two! It's that heater in your chest! Box three! Box three! The only friend you'll ever need! That cocksucker motherfucker Jeremiah Weed! Okay. Those are the, um, the two big ones that when I showed yeah. up to Canon, Somehow I caught wind of it. Some of my friends going, growing up, they knew I played I played music my whole life. I played guitar. Uh, I, I, I'd occasionally pick up the guitar parties and play like that annoying guy who always pricks up the guitar and plays songs. <laughs> um, so when I got to Canon, someone was like, hey, you got to meet, uh, do you know Snooze plays music? And he's actually written a couple of funny songs. And I was like, funny songs? Like, what what are you talking about? Like Tenacious D or I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah and, um, right. So uh, I, I don't remember if I heard them like when we were, maybe it was a roll call at Canon and you played and I was like, Oh, that's, that's brilliant. We should, we should play together and, and, and see what yeah, happens. I'd... And then we just started playing because at Canon you can fly planes uh and that's it. Like, there's not a lot else to do. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Let's see, you can fly planes, and, and there's a bar. And there's a bar. Kelly's PT uh, and, and the play bar. music. That's right. Um, so, uh, at at some point, we we met up for an afternoon and just started trading songs and playing songs. And I don't think we started writing any songs just yet, but no. I I certainly you know heard the couple songs that he had written before he even got to Canon and it was hilarious. And of course the wheels start turning and we hit it off. We started playing covers and we'd go to whatever parties and play. And then at some point we wrote, I think we were going to Nellis like yep. in Vegas. And, yep. and I think it, one, either you or me were like, we should write, uh, we should write a, a new song together. And yeah. uh, that's, that was world war three that we came up with. Yep. Okay. Well, I was down in Southern Watch, flying my F-16. 
When Lee called for the picture and AWACS came back clean But I saw contact on my scope and it was running hot And although I wasn't targeted, I went ahead and shot Well, I never even noticed that my nose was pointed east And that Iranian fighter pilot was surprised to say the least And I tried to take it back But by then it was too late And a million angry Arabs started heading for Kuwait So here's to you fighter pilots, victors of the war That got us all this real estate that's backed up to the shore And now all's about the barrel and it's all because of me Cause I'm the motherfucker who started World War III You knew the fucking French would have to get into the mess American audacity, well it had to be addressed Well they sent their fighters to the sky But it was all in vain As they sought asylum in the American Commonwealth of Spain So the English crossed the channel And it was a sight to see When the queen dropped down her trousers and she shit on Normandy And if you think we were happy when we drank all of their wine You should have seen the Polacks when they got to cross the Rhine So here's to you fighter pilots, victors of the war That got us all this real estate that's backed up to the shore And now they whistle Dixie in the streets of Gay Perry Cause I'm the motherfucker who started World War III Well, the Chinese threatened action when we overran Saigon Then a thousand drunken frat boys had to moon them from Taiwan But the bombing of the embassy in Moscow broke the ice Now that was just an accident and it happened only twice So they launched their MiGs two by two, never to return And no matter how much we shot him down, they never seemed to learn Their suicidal bravery made us feel bad for them So on Tuesdays it was heaters only, Wednesday BFM So here's to you fighter pilots, victors of the war That got us all this real estate that's backed up to the shore And now China's just a word that you read in history 
Cause I'm the motherfucker who started World War Three. Chonger, you're next. And, and that and was... I don't know what inspired it other than we, I think we're getting ready to go to the desert for... Yeah, we were, yeah. We're like, wouldn't yeah. it be funny if like we actually start World War Three? So that, that's yeah. how that one came to be. <laughs> that, one, that one got such a great first response of people are just laughing their ass off at like the punchlines and stuff like that. So at that that point we figured maybe we're onto something. Yeah. And this is, this is before like streaming and even right. Right. MP3s really, it was people still had burned CDs and things like that. Right. So, so roughly, and I, I'm sure you got, uh, there was a time, I think you told me when I was on Phoenix that uh, you guys wrote a bunch together out in the desert during the war. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it got easier, but how, how long does it take to, uh, to get it to where you're happy to perform it for somebody else? Is that a couple weeks? Is it a couple months? What, what's that process like? <laughs> man, it depends. You, it depends. That, 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 first, that first album, man, they were just, we were knocking out two a week. Nice. And there was okay. uh, and, uh, one or two songs there, there have been a couple songs over the years that uh, never made the cut. Maybe, well, yeah, they, they uh, we unveiled them to a select crowd, and then they never let. <laughs> and then veiled them back. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, ah, "Wish we could unwrite that song." Um, yeah, yeah. But um, <clears throat> so yeah, test drive dummies. Yeah, they, they were at a pretty good clip for a while, especially when we're in the desert. And again, there's nothing to do but fly, work out eat sometimes and play music so of course no drinking and, and no drinking no. <laughs> uh we were roommates and we just i believe it. we had the freedom too of there's there is no dos gringo sound you know like right if, yeah if the guys in metallica show up with this just lovely ballad that might be the most beautiful song in the world they'd be like dude that's not metallica sound <laughs> and you gotta check but we didn't have that we could we could jump over any genre we wanted to country, punk, rock. Yeah. We even tried, we tried reggae, did not work. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. We tried, we tri- you know, it was, war was, the war was hard. Uh, yeah, we came yeah. up with all kinds of bad ideas. <laughs> yeah, reggae didn't work. <laughs> That's awesome that you got that many of them out. But when did you, when was the first time you started getting any blowback? Was that after the 2010 time frame or because, because oh, no. I know, uh, but in fact, let me get out of the way. I, I know you got some blowback. Can you tell me some of the blowback you got and, and in what form it showed up? And yeah. Okay. So we, I guess I'll just say we came back from the desert, uh, People had heard our songs because we played them down range. We played them for like hundreds of maintainers and they liked it. Uh, so we're thinking, hey, this is something. Maybe we should record these and, you know, give away CDs yeah. or sell them for five bucks or whatever. Okay. Oh, so we yeah. went to some warehouse <clears throat> in Lubbock. I don't even remember the guy's name, but it was like this cheap studio, not even a studio. And we recorded it in about it's what, pretty three gross. Days? It was nasty. Three days. Three days. Uh, and to Snooze's point, whatever we wanted, we had like, we threw some drums on some songs, some accordion, like stupid things for fun. We and didn't then, bring accordion. Trip went through the guy's closet and found an accordion and just said, I can use this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. 
It was like going through a high school music room because we found tiny symbols. We put that on a song. That's right. <laughs> so, that, and this was our first time really recording. I, I think yeah. we dabbled in recording in our high school days, thinking we would we'd be somebody. But this was yeah. the first time actually trying to record something. Anyway, so so we <laughs> recorded this thing, and we figured we'll have this CD. Uh, and at the time, nothing goes viral, right? The, this is two thousand and three. I think three, 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 four. Uh, nothing's going viral back then. We're starting to get people to email us at work, like on our work emails. Uh, Hey, can I get five CDs? And so we're totally, you know, doing business on government. We're trying to, trying to respond to these people like, uh, you want to buy this crap? Are you serious? (laughs) Um, and then, uh, it's, it's, well, yeah. And and so, I mean, we never, even thought about making a CD. I really, it was our squadron commander. It was like, <laughs> he tried to front the money and they were like, no, no, we'll, we'll do it. But yeah. Bergie um, had a vision. He's like, I could totally make some dough off of these guys. But back in those days, you had to make physical media. So the, the way an independent would buy CDs. I mean, if you wanted to buy 10, forget it. It's like, look, you're either going to press a thousand or you're not going to press anything at all because it's just not worth the time. We'll charge you just as much for 10 as we will for a thousand. Wow. Okay. So we like bought a thousand and we were, we literally thought we were going to be stuck with a thousand CDs just sitting in our, you know, (laughs) in your garage. And I think, I think in total we spent probably what three grand, yeah, I want to say we spent about fifteen hundred on recording and fifteen hundred on making the CDs. Was that plus there's mastering and artwork and all the other stuff? Yeah. But yeah, but it, we it it was a lot of do-it-yourself stuff and yeah. And, yeah. It was, now, it and was that live complex. at the Sand Trap? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that was your first album. Okay, that was yep. yeah. Right. And so that one um, that sets up to to answer your question. Repeat the uh, the blowback. So there was no there was no blowback. Like it wasn't a thing because there weren't, we didn't really have a reach, I think to, okay. to turn into any blowback. The thing that ended up getting us at Canon was we, we started playing at the Oak club. Uh, once we started to get a little bit of notoriety and uh-huh. we, we had a name. Uh, my wife actually came up with it as after a bar in Arizona. Ghost Ringos. Snooze never I, liked I, it. I, to white guys. <laughs> he, he always thought we'd be like, Everyone would think we're a mariachi band or something. I know. <laughs> I um, didn't now grant in my, you know, like I said, in your defense, I didn't have any I didn't come up with anything good. So wild stuff. Right. Um <laughs> yeah, so I, I uh, think those gang those gringos is fitting. It's hey, it's uh, it's accurate <laughs> in every way. It's it's accurate. There's two yeah. of us. Um yeah, yeah so uh, I think what the first time we actually got in trouble, we're at the O Club at Cannon, yep. and we're playing a standard Friday night, and we're we're playing all our songs with our crappy little like hundred dollar uh, PA. Do you remember that stupid thing we bought? It was like the biggest piece of crap, and it but it worked at the but o we Club. Could, at but we could carry it. We could we could, we could load it up it in, in an SUV. A, yeah, and in fact, we deployed with it too in in like yeah. a suitcase. And awesome. so uh, throw it on a KC ten. Right yeah, it was it was in like the squadron pallet where with yeah, meters nice. and stuff. We we somehow got it on there for morale purposes. Anyways, 
the uh, oh, awesome. the audience at the Yoke Club that night, well, typically it was all the squadrons. There were a bunch of squadrons at Cannon at the time. I think there were four fighter squadrons there. Uh, it, it always went over well. And then one night we're playing and the, the wing commander and the vice wing commander and their wives are in the bar. Oh, and no. we're playing our songs and everyone's singing along. And uh, as far as I could tell, it was a really good night. There were a couple of dirty looks from the the boss's wives, I think, that I kind of remember. Maybe I'm just like... But remember, remember though, we made a concerted effort to try to make the Cannon O Club a real O Club because it really... Nobody went there because it yeah. was like a... It was just where retirees went to have a stupid salad bar. <laughs> That's right. And so there was definitely the the leadership's wives were not there to hear us. They were there for some formal event. We were just louder. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I guess it was like that the great the great Santini, that scene yeah. where, where yeah. channels on me, boys. Um, yes. Yeah. So it was a little yeah. bit like that. Yeah, I think that's right. And the irony that is the song that really got us in trouble wasn't even our song. It was Sammy Small. Sammy Small, yeah. Oh, which fuck is it? Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. And we yeah. just played it and and uh, that didn't go over well. So I want to say the next Monday morning there was or, the, or sometime the next week there was a a wing stand down of all pilots had to go to the the big you know auditorium that could fit hundreds yeah. of fighter pilots and the wing commander got up and just tore into us not by name so to his credit he was at least cool enough to not be like you no he was not cool fuckers. at all <laughs> he was not but i well, mean everybody there had to know oh yeah uh, yeah i know exactly was, who he I was, was like, talking what you, about i mean like what are you doing you know what i mean like come on come on yeah so call us in and tell us to stop it. no stones for that huh he he said, uh, "Well, he basically he did that." Uh, I think the the word that we ended up putting in a song later was, uh, "There's these two pilots that uh, they are talented, but they lack judgment." <laughs> <laughs> that, and, and there show is. title. There's a show title. They lack judgment. <laughs> That's right. And I, I think it, it happened to ha- occur at at like the same time as. Was it the same time that someone got arrested? Wasn't it like a big pilot meeting? Like, hey, everyone, stop acting it's like just, idiots. I don't know. Yeah, it's just. I perfect. mean, things come in threes. That's right. And yeah, the third one was I, another guy, like almost ran off the end of the runway. It was something like that. Uh, <laughs> but but we were definitely the center of gravity at that wing pilot meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, we were banned from the Oak Club after that. We weren't allowed to go there and play anymore. And then I think a lot of the guys in the squadron did a ritualistic, you know, burning of their their O Club cards. Yeah, yeah, we we burned them all. We burned all. Dooman took everybody's yeah. O Club card and burned it into a ball and turned it into the O Club manager. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> great! One big melted deformed. plastic ball. Yeah, it's just oh, it's just, yeah, just plastic <laughs> balls. Just, here's all our O Club membership. That's nice, awesome. but it. It didn't actually hurt career-wise or anything like that. I mean, nah. it, it probably was more notoriety and street cred than anything. Uh, well, yeah. Believe it or not. You guys are banned from the Oak Club. That's yeah. some serious shit. And it's like, it's <laughs> just the Canada Oak Club. It's not like they banned us from like a place that people want to go. That's right. I was banned for life from the Barksdale Air Force Base Oak Club for a long time. Oh, life. really? Yeah. What did you do? No, it's another story. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Speaking of lack of lack of judgment. So I got a couple of questions for you guys, not related to music, but related to flying. So that first tour you guys went on and your roommates over in the desert, you were writing songs. How about flying stories? You ever have your hand on the handle? Or uh, would you ever laughing so hard at something that you had to take time out? Uh, or did or did either of you shovel jet? I was on the night train, the you know, an, yep. the, a night guy, and snooze was on the day train. And by the time things kicked off, we actually had a third roommate. Where are you guys flying out of? At Al Jabber, okay, in Kuwait. Yeah, yeah. And a bunch of Marines showed up as well, so there was no food left after like five thousand Marines showed up. We yeah, nothing yeah. but like I, I survived off of like power bars and beef jerky for about two months. There were Harriers there, but they were British Harriers. And then there were some A-10s there until they moved north. Uh, I thought there was one squadron of U.S. Harriers. No, there was a, a U.S. exchange pilot who flew Harriers with the Brits. If there was, I don't remember. Oh. Really? Wasn't Pappy Boyington's squadron over there? Black Sheep? I don't know. I, could, I thought they were Harriers. Yeah, they 214 was Harriers. Yeah. Yeah, they were over there. Okay, okay. then I, I'm mistaken. So the, I just remember the British ones. No, the Brit the Brits were flying tornadoes, weren't they? they no, were, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Doesn't they were flying. They're definitely flying Harriers as well there. But okay, because uh, I know one of the guys. I was a night guy, so I was able to to fly on night one of of the shock and all thing. Other than seeing a bunch of flak and sams and stuff, it was pretty uneventful. Our targets were a little bit outside of of Baghdad, and while we expected the Iraqis to launch. Maybe we'd see some airplanes. As yeah. you guys know, they buried their airplanes and <laughs> didn't even launch yeah. ones. So everything we saw was ballistic launched SAMs and bullets that were relatively just aimed at nothing. And other than that being an emotional event, the first few times you see things being shot in your general direction. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Weren't you engaged by a patriot? I was. Yeah, I guess that was probably the only time yeah. I was... If I was smart enough to think it's probably time to reach for the handle, and maybe I would have, but we came back. This was about two weeks into it when things had settled down. We'd already lost a couple friendlies to the fratricide from Patriots. Anyways, I'm coming back with my, with my flight lead and I get a maybe 20 miles from the the border after a long mission. And I get on my RWR radar warning receiver, a little tickle little spike from a threat that is known to be a Patriot based on the location it was coming from. It definitely wasn't the thing that was displayed. Right. Yeah. So I said, Oh, that's interesting. And then I see on my canopy, this is in the middle of the night. I see like the sure sale sign of a Sam launch, but it's very far away. Right. It's it's like, and then it freezes on my canopy. Uh I key the mic to my (laughs) lately. I say, Hey, one, you see that? (laughs) <laughs> and just then, it it just poofs. It, it self detonated or, or something. It, it was in some sort of auto launch mode, I believe. I, all I know is that it's probably only a few seconds from from hitting us. And I didn't realize it at the time, but my flight lead was on the radio screaming because he was getting a similar thing, yeah. screaming like yeah. cease and desist. And <laughs> I was so oblivious and tired and probably dehydrated and too many go pills. I had no idea how close I got. That's weird. It's in the it's in the same spot in the canopy. Yeah, it's not moving. That's weird. <laughs> so, so for uh, for uh, um, the non aviation listeners, explain why why that's a significance news about it not moving in the canopy. 
<laughs> no line of sight means it's you're it's going after you. It's coming right so, at you. Right? It's coming right at you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I always I always remember like like if you ever you know had an SA six on you, you had what what is it, wait for the donut or something before you break? Before yeah. it kind of you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, like where when, the plume, right the when plume goes to, around the warhead, yeah. Yeah. That's when it was time to break or something. But yeah. Place. You know, I tell you what, I came closer to death probably more during Southern Watch than Iraqi Freedom because we were trying to stack 200 aircraft on top of each other and you had three carriers and buffs coming over from 11-hour trip from the States and stuff. And I remember we were like, we were 24,000 feet. I was number four and I'm painting my two ship in front of me about two miles ahead. And then there's a blip 10 miles in front of them at 24. Now, again, if I'm not locked up on the guy, that 24 could easily be 25 or 23. That's, yeah. you know, that's just not that. That's That was one sweep of the radar. And I'm like, huh. But then on the next sweep, there it is. Now it's at eight miles. On the next sweep, there's a six. Miles. God, should I say something? And <laughs> right yeah. when I said what I thought I should say something, I mean, I, and again, you know, on the goggles, if you can identify it, you are way too close. Oh yeah. And I just see this E2 Hawkeye just, <laughs> it was like, or it was, it was, I think that's what it was. I know it was Navy <laughs> and it was, it was in our block. Clearly the pilot needed our block. a shave. <laughs> And this was Snort, too. Snort was number one. And I'm pretty sure Snort came within seconds of dying. He never knew it because he never saw it, never said anything. And I just said, you know, should I say something? And I just didn't. I was like, it's done. It's passed. The guy's gone. I don't know. I, but, that's uh, funny you bring that up. I, <laughs> I remember because uh, we were both wingmen, yeah, like pretty experienced wingmen, but wingmen, which you're taught, like, don't say a word. Unless right. you have something important to say, just shut the hell right. up right? and be where you're supposed to be. Do what I tell you to do. And I remember this is like night three of uh, it's the, the ground invasion, I think, had just started. Like, we're still pretty it, far it, north into Baghdad. And for whatever reason, that night, they didn't have any kinetic targets for that go for us. And they wanted us to drop leaflets. And we go to drop these canisters of leaflets, which would deliver it would scatter thousands of little messages yeah. to Iraqis on the ground with pictures saying like do you want to die <laughs> in this ditch or do you want to live a happy life with your family surrender you know so <laughs> we we go and, and and fly this mission and it's one of the ones I remember because it again nothing was guided at us I was in no real real danger but I just remember the amount of AAA flack that night just seeing it because it's nighttime. It always seems like it's everywhere. And sure. thinking, what the hell am I doing dropping leafless? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> right. And we're flying west to east all, along the south, kind of southern border, south of Baghdad, uh, of the city, what they used to call like the super mess. And there were some F-16s that were shooting harms about maybe five or ten miles south of us in a cap, shooting harms into Baghdad at radar sites that were coming on. Or not coming on just in case they came on. They wanted to keep harms going into these sites just to keep them suppressed. And a harm missile, I was in offset container, maybe four or five miles behind the the, the lead element, okay. the, the lead you know section, whatever. And this harm missile, it at least appeared to me to go right 
behind one and two and right in front of three and four co-altitude. Cause you're looking <laughs> towards Baghdad and you're like, that's where all the threats coming <laughs> straight over across my nose. And I was like, do I say yeah. something? No, <laughs> I mean, it's done. What am I going to say? Hey, you guys know how close that was? Like, there's no reason to talk. So I never said anything. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. um, I mean, remember the the comm book? You know, like, turn to purple 32. Oh, my gosh. That thing, those things can get out of control, right? (laughs) I mean, like. And again, I think the guys coming over from the States, like the B-52s, they had like, they always had yesterday's book. And so it was just, it was completely useless anyway. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wish I had some great, better stories. I, I could remember, you know, we, we would I, drop a lot of, a lot of JDAMs, a lot of laser guided bombs on, on various buildings, command and control bridges, fielded artillery sites, things like that. Uh, you guys remember when I I dropped? I had two duds in a row on GBU twelve on a uh, Frog seven or whatever, some surface yeah. to surface missile, mm-hmm. and it and the bomb went right through its its fuel tank, and all the fuel leaked yeah, out. I remember that. And that was that was Bergie telling everybody I hit a baby milk truck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, uh, God, I remember that. Um, it was all in English. Remember that thing? Baby milk yes. plant. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I want to tell this story because this is the story I'm going to tell at, at Tripp's funeral because I'm obviously going to outlive him. Yeah, that's, just, <laughs> that's just clear. That's just yeah. clear. Yeah. It's, but it's pretty obvious. So the, the day and the night crew really, we developed a, a, a quiet hatred for each other. And it was, it was crazy because we would sacrifice our lives for each other, but we really also wanted to kill them because the night guys were always just like, oh, my God, we get shot at so much more than you do. And you're like, shut up. That's just because you can see everything for 200 miles. And it was, just, it was just back and forth, back and forth. And... um you know, we'd fly these with two missions a day every time. Get up at four. You know, I'd get up at four a.m. Uh, you know, you go uh, to you know go to Intel, get your brief, get your mission materials, all that other stuff. Then they drive you to the flight line, out on the flight line, take off and be right at sunrise. Hit the tanker, do the mission, come back, uh, hit the tanker on the way back. About three hours, and then you land. And while they're rearming the jet, refueling the jet, you're in the little Intel shack on the flight line and you haven't eaten all day. And the only thing there is they would just drop off a box of MREs. So everybody, you know, scramble to kind of get the good MREs. (laughs) That's Um, kind of an oxymoron. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, But there were good good parts. You want the good parts. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've gotten into fights over which ones are the good ones, but uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll take any of the pasta ones, man, the, the spaghetti and stuff like that. But, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, they drop off a, a box of stuff and it'd have probably like, I don't know, 30 MREs in there or something. So it'd be both for the day and the night crew. Well, they had dropped off the box for the night crew 
apparently, because when we got there, and again, we've flown our first mission, it's noon, there's 12 of us, we're all coming back, and we're open up the box, what can we get? And somebody just goes, guys, all the MREs have already been opened. We're like, what? <laughs> and we, we literally looked at every MRE, and somebody just yells, they stole the fucking pound cake. <laughs> the pound cake's been fucking stolen. And to my day, I, I mean, again, oh. I, I will, ne I will never forgive you guys for that shit. You stole all the pound cake. You know you did it. Fess up. Yeah, uh, no regrets. The night train <laughs> puts you through a lot of a hardship, and sometimes you just need some pound cake. To unwind. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best part of every MRE was the pound cake. Oh, that that's, um, guy stole the pound cake. It's, uh, th that may be another show title. Sometimes you just need some pound cake. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh. It was a. Uh, it was a. We're real lucky to have gotten the opportunity to to be there at that time. They were building things up, and it was it was shocking all, and it was a, yeah. you know, the beginning of OIF. So. It went from that was the place you went for your cushy, you know, four month rotation where you just did the, you know, the Southern no fly zone and you had surf and turf on Tuesdays and Mongolia night and movies and all kinds of things. And then it got pretty. Then the Marines showed up. Then the Marines <laughs> Marine showed, up. showed up. No, <laughs> um, I'm, no. They, no they, I'm not going to gloss over it. I'm not going to gloss over they it. They built a whole new <laughs> ramp and there was. Probably five thousand Marines. I could not were find. I could not find an empty washing machine or a dryer because every one of them had two pair of green shorts and green shirts in them. They would just <laughs> wash that. That was their whole load, That's and every gear. one was taken up. That's right. <laughs> then I go to the gym. There's no more towels in the gym. Why are there no more towels in the gym? Go to the front desk. Where are all the towels? Oh, uh, what one of the Marines. Uh, you had to wash it. No, it was crabs. <laughs> you had crabs, so they're all infected. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, guys, I, I gotta say, I, it sounds like there's a song in there. I, I could be wrong. It could be. I don't know. It's <laughs> this is this is uh, the you know the entitled Air Force guys deployment woes when the. About the Marines Marine showing show. up, and we don't have enough washing machines and gym towels. <laughs> what, I, what I could never understand, too. Remember, right now, and amongst our squadron, there were the guys who were the hardcore gamers, right? Okay. Like they were playing Goldeneye every like fierce, Jeez. fierce competition of four-player Goldeneye, right? You remember that trip? I do. I didn't. I was never good at it. Then you had. The, the guys who were, uh, you know, they'd play the spades, hearts, stuff like that. Cards, but not for money. Then there were the gamblers. And I was yeah. one of the gamblers. <laughs> and I just could not. I got into so many high stakes poker rounds with Marines. And I'm like, where did these guys get these monies? I mean, we're, I, you know, I'm sitting there like sweating going, if I lose this hand, I'm going to get divorced. <laughs> like, and these guys were like playing like it was just fun money. 
And I'm like, <laughs> and, and I'd be sitting there like, time out, guys, these pots are getting a little big. And they're yeah, like, pussy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it went oh, from man. a gentleman's game to uh, now. And it was, it was, it was yeah. straight up the Marines, man. They like, everything was gentlemanly until the Marines showed up. And then every of the stakes just yeah. went through the roof. So, so what yeah. kind of money you know, are we talking, Snooze? In 2003, I mean, $2,000 pots and stuff like that. Oh, it's you know? real money. Yes, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's real money in 2022. Yeah, that hurts. Because <laughs> those guys are like, well, we might only be here a couple more weeks, and they're going to make us move north to some new base. Better get it, take as much of the Air Force money as we can. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, no, it was, you know, it was exactly serious. It was money that, was. like, like I, was, I mean, I remember sitting there holding cards going – I'm trying to focus on the game, but I'm also trying to focus how I'm going to launder my losses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, my spouse God. back in the States, like, all right, I got to move some, I got to move some cash. <laughs> right. Well, I thought you spent all the money. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. hey, by the way, that's, that's another great song, right? Bitch yeah. spent all my money. Make a thousand extra bucks each month And you would think with that amount I'd have a positive number Inside my checking account How many times can one woman hit An ATM in a day Well you can bet your ass That a BBR bitch laugh is on its way I got a story to tell to you And man, it ain't funny I've been five months TDY And the bitch spent all my money I know it Get home, you wanna wear something cute, but who the hell pays a hundred dollars for just one bathing suit? And how about that two hundred bucks for just two pair of shoes? Why well, I only spent fifteen dollars paying off my LPA dues. Yeah, I got taken to the bank today By my own honey bunny I've been five months DDY And the bitch spent all my You know I still love you, baby 
yeah But something's missing Yeah, I feel like the bitch, yeah And a federal pound me in the ass prison Besides, it's not even gonna matter when I get home I don't care what you do Well, you can shave your head and grow out your leg hair And I'd still bone the shit out of you yeah, it's not fair Cause I still love you, honey I've been five months TDY And the bitch spent all my money Yeah, don't laugh cause it could happen to you And man, it ain't funny I've been five months TDY And the bitch spent all my money I was inspired by true events. <laughs> um, I, I guess, I guess we got to tell that story too. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, the bitch been all my money. Clearly that was. Maybe we'll, several, we'll I mean, preserve they, that. Yeah, yeah. No names, no names. Right. But there were some guys <laughs> whose wives, you know, cause again, we were living tax free, which for a captain, that meant probably an extra thousand a month. Right. When you yeah. say, yeah. I mean, that's what I wrote sure. in the song. So I that's think right. it's something like that. But some guys, and it, my wife wasn't one of them. You know, she was like saving everything. Like she was always on my ass. But some guys' wives were spending money and it was just getting them upset. And then there was one guy who right before we left for, he was perpetually single. We do one last TDY to Vegas. He meets a stripper. Oh, no. Falls in love. Oh, no. Gives her the keys to his house. No. The keys to his car. And puts her in charge of paying all of his, his bills. Power of attorney. Oh, that's, did he give uh, did he, did he give I, her power of attorney? I think he had I think she had power of attorney. Oh, that's brilliant. And uh he didn't nah, he didn't see that AFN commercial because I think he gave her a, ooh, a general. Yeah. So oh, no. I, all I of think this, in his defense, I don't think she was a not that it would matter. Not a stripper. I think she was like a drink girl. Because I remember I was there when they met, and she was like the drink server at some in my mind Cabana. It may, <laughs> may, may as well be. She stripped him, huh? <laughs> she sure did. He was a stripper of that, some sorts. She didn't. She leave his truck in like some random airport in Ohio or oh, something yeah. like that. He came that. back to like repossessed things, and oh my gosh, bad credit. It was it was pretty rough. So, so we um, thought we should make fun of that and write a song. That's but I do excellent. remember, I do remember I was, I was in the uh, mission planning cell. The guy was, he, I, I, he was clearly logged in the USAA. I, I know exactly who it was, but I'll keep his name <laughs> silent. But <laughs> he just, he just slams his hand. I just, bitch, quit spending all my money. And I thought it was the funniest thing I had, I had heard. I mean, that was just one of those where I said, I'm writing that down. <laughs> Now, <laughs> circle back. Why, why wouldn't you? We're we're in the we're in the recording studio, and or I think we're in the hotel while we're in recording. And I just <laughs> I I just had a brief moment where I'm just like a violent guy, and I never call a woman a bitch. And I remember I was sitting there like I like I trip. Do we have to use the word bitch? And he just went. And it's funny because Trip is the nicest guy in the world, but he goes, Snooze, 
just won't work with any other word. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, a, that's good. That's, that's beautiful. Good. But I think you're right because, I mean, if it had been like my wife spent all my money, you just wouldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. have had it. That's wouldn't right. have done no. it. No. So it, you were. It does I, make it. You, you made the correct call on that one. Yeah. That's right. Thank, so thank you for acknowledging that. So this is about the halfway point of our time with those gringos and seems as good a place as any to break it off for the week. We want to thank you both for your service, gents. Thank you very much for being with us. And thank you for letting us use that music for our podcast. We absolutely love bringing that to people and we hope they enjoy it as much as we do. I love their music. It makes me happy when I listen to it. <laughs> you could also make us happy if you would do us a favor and go to so there I was dot us slash rumble and subscribe. You don't need to go back and listen or anything like that. But once we get 100 subscribers, we no longer have to pay to live stream to you. So we would really appreciate that. We'd appreciate if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find a podcast. It could be iHeart, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, any one of those. Amazon Music, wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. So there I was, podcast. Hey, repeat. Yeah. Does it cost anything to uh, subscribe on Rumble? It does not. It costs absolutely nothing. So, so do it. Come on, man. Do it now. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and if you do want to do something to help us out financially, you can go to our sponsor, robinsbirdbraindesigns.com. She does custom etching. And in our case, we have slate coasters that have the squadron logo on it and our call sign. Those are really cool. The other option is, you know, a fraternity or a sorority in a name or... Uh, if you have an airplane, your airplane instruments and a tail number, anything along those lines, custom etched. So reach out to Robin at robinsbirdbraindesigns.com. I gave I gave mine out already as early Christmas presents, and it, they were a big hit. Nice. Big hit. Very cool. Let's see what else. So we have a glossary page at so there I was us. You can follow us on Facebook at so there I was us slash Facebook on Twitter at so there I was us slash Twitter. You can write to us at fig at so there I was us or repeat at so there I was us. We also have a links page which will take you to the Rumble pages, but you need to be subscribed to so there I was us. Log in and then you can see the link to the links. That's about it. Thanks to Dave Hamilton over at the Mac Geek Cab Podcast. And thanks to our guests this week and every week for allowing us to use their music. In the meantime, until we meet again, stay safe and check this. No way. Because when you're going down the North Atlantic, man, it's over. Now about four hours into the flight, well, I got a little nervous because it was still night. I'm on the wing of the tanker, man. And I got a piss So I started fucking with the jaws of death And before I knew it, well I was out of breath Pissed off a cursing and saying to hell with this And I seriously considered just pissing my pants So finally got the fly undone And I knew the next part would be twice as fun Trying to get the gopher to pop on out of his hole So I thought real hard about naked chicks Lesbians and porno flicks But none of that worked Cause he knew that water was damn cold And I cursed my daddy's name for making me half Polish Well I knew that I would need a little help 
to keep from pissing all over myself And if I held it any longer, well, I'd give myself cancer So in my hour of great despair, well, I offered up a simple prayer to Jesus Hoping that he might answer And to paraphrase a bit, this is what I said Dear Lord, won't you give me a 12-inch penis Just for now or two I'm stuck in the trenches And I need just a few more inches And I'll give them back as soon as I am through My faith was strong, but my strength was lacking And I didn't have much time for this miracle to happen So I thought the best thing to do was just help it along So I started to pull and it started to pinch And I thought I might have squeezed out an extra inch But that sucker was wedged in tighter than your grandma's thong Yeah, folks, I'm sorry, that was completely uncalled for so I choked that fucker like a serial killer Made me think about that movie, you know, the one with Ben Stiller Where the dude in the back was yelling, he was masturbating Now with the other hand I reached for the bag And I tried to take aim, but it was just a wag And I knew my chances of success, they were quickly fading And at this point I knew it would take an act of desperation now it was too much to hope I could get it to dangle Well the best I could do was a 90 degree angle And hookshot that son of a bitch like Dr. J Now I never really thought about what was ensuing Till I realized I couldn't see what the fuck I was doing And I paused for a second And I began to pray Dear Lord, you gotta give me this one Dear Lord, won't you give me a 12-inch penis Just for an hour or two I'm stuck in the trenches And I need just a few more inches And I'll give them back as soon as I am through Just about the time I started to go Well, old Mr. Winky started to grow and before I knew it he was at least a foot long now up in heaven God got quite a laugh cause it kept on going past a foot and a half and before I knew it I was holding the two foot long now I know what you're thinking what the hell is he gonna do with that well, that was pretty much the end of my woes Since now I had a Johnson like a fire hose And in fact, the whole problem was completely diffused Now what I did next, you might think sleazy But at this point, pissing was just too easy And my newfound powers, well, they just had to be used You know, for fighting the forces of evil and shit Now when it was my Turned to refuel, well I thought it would be pretty fucking cool If I did the whole thing with my hands behind my back Now you might think that was the ultimate test But the hardest part was really the ILS Cause I thought about your mom and I ended up well off track 
Yes, slightly above glide slope and climbing. Now after I landed, that was the trick, cause what the hell do you do with two feet of dick? But it didn't matter much, cause the Lord, he came to relieve me. Cause when I tried to put it all back in the cup, well it looked like my two hours were up. And I thought to myself, well who the hell will believe me? You can bet for damn sure it ain't gonna be my wife. Dear Lord, won't you give me a 12-inch penis Just for an hour or two I'm stuck in the trenches And I need just a few more inches And I'll give them back as soon as I am through Yeah, I'll give them back as soon as I am through